Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Disney, again, because of, because of uh, COVID and shutdowns and all those kind of things, they weren't releasing a lot of movies in theaters, but they, they started a new streaming platform that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, Disney Plus. Anybody heard of Disney Plus? And they released a movie last Christmas on Disney Plus called Soul. Did anybody see that movie? Soul, it was a Pixar movie. Nobody in here saw that movie. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movie Soul. The movie Soul, uh, and this is not an endorsement of the movie at all, okay? This is not an endorsement. Uh, however, it is, a, it is a, a way in which we can see how people within our culture think about uh, life and think about death, think about life before death and life after death, a movie called Soul. A middle school music teacher by the name of Joe Gardner is the main character, and he seeks to reunite his soul with his body after he accidentally had it separated during an accident. Let me just tell you how that happened. He had a big break as a jazz musician. He was a middle school teacher. He had a, a big break and a tryout as a jazz musician. And he was so excited about it that as he bounded out, he didn't see that a manhole cover had been moved in the road. And whoo, he fell in. And as a result of that, his soul separated from his body. And he was headed to what they call the great beyond. That's what people who don't have the Bible or an understanding call heaven, right? The great beyond. But instead of the great beyond, he ended up fighting that. He did not want to go to the great beyond. He had just gotten this big break. And so he was fighting and ended up in a place called the great before. And the great before was a place where there were souls that had not yet been matched to a body that had to go through this whole process of, of, of earning badges until they had received enough badges and personality and those kind of things that kind of come together in the great before, before they can be in a, in a body. And there were all these people who, who happened to be, uh, let me find where I am here, uh, who, who, who happened to be there beforehand, unborn souls that were there, mistaken as a mentor Joe here he's there and he was mistaken as a mentor and he was supposed to train uh, a cynical soul by the by the number 22 didn't have a name just a number number 22 and so he was supposed to mentor this soul on how to find their spark find its personality and 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 so there's this whole thing that goes and Joe suddenly realizes his body is in the hospital while his soul is stuck in the great before so he works with this 22 who doesn't want to go doesn't want to become a human doesn't want to wants to stay in the great before trying to work and strikes up this deal that if I help you you find your spark you help me get back into my body kind of weird huh how they say that's weird yeah, that's weird, right? But this is how we think. We think about these things. And, 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 and I'm just going to say the theology behind this movie is off, all right? This is not biblical in any way. But it points to the fact this and other types of, of movies like this point to the fact that internally, inside of us, somewhere in our makeup, somewhere, no matter where we are, there is this, this kind of general understanding 
that there's got to be something beyond just this world. And that there's something beyond just simply our physical body that makes us who we are. In fact, Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. And so it doesn't matter if you're a, a believer today and you, you, you have an understanding biblically. If you're not a believer today, there might be something in you, something that recognizes, whether an atheist or agnostic, something that recognizes that there is something down deep inside that there has got to be more than just this physical presence, this physical body, this physical realm. It seems that we have a preoccupation with eternity. And so there's a great mystery that surrounds the, the physical and the spiritual. And for years, different philosophers have debated what this is all about. In fact, there have been wonders about the soul and the body and, and, and how this connection works and, and, and what this is all about. In fact, Aristotle and, 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 and Plato and, and Descartes have led to a debate defining dualism, comparing the, the soul to the mind and, and encompassed in this reference of the soul and includes your personality, and includes your beliefs, includes a sense of, of self that you find that, that, that there's something about who I am on the inside. Who am I on the inside? What makes me, what makes that up? And the wonder of whether we're more than just a physical body or a source of, uh, is, has been a source of wonder and a source of debate throughout the years. But I want to tell you, the Bible has something to say about that. The Bible has something, imagine that. The Bible has something to say about that. Right? In fact, Jesus himself quoted Deuteronomy 6, 5 when, when he said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy is one of the oldest books in the entire Bible. And Jesus affirms that we're more than just our strength, our physical body. We're more than that. He talks about loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. And so on the heels of last week, when we were in 2 Corinthians uh, at chapter 4, Paul was talking about some discouragement that can come, some despair that can come, some difficulties that can come. But in the midst of all of that, he used these words twice at the beginning and the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. And he continues that conversation as we move into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So that's where we're going to be today. You can pull it up on the app notes today if you want. You can follow along the notes on the screen. Open up your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul continues to talk about the, the, the temporary versus the eternal. He's, he's going to talk about this temporary versus the eternal. And, and as he closed out 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to start there, 16 to 18. He said, therefore, here it is, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, so we have the outwardly and the inwardly, inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so on the heels of this 
passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have outwardly versus inwardly. We have temporary versus eternal. And Paul opens the next part by, by talking about something that really, really can cause us to lose heart. If there's something that can cause us to lose heart, if there's something that can impact us in any way, it is facing death. Whether it is the impending death, uh, maybe it's a diagnosis that we get that says, you've got this diagnosis and it's terminal and you've only got this many months to live. Whether it's a loved one, somebody that we care about that is facing death or that has died, there is nothing that can cause us to lose heart more than this idea of facing death. The reality of death, the wasting away as we get older of our physical bodies affects us and can cause us to despair and cause us to lose heart. And so Paul then turns his attention to talking a little bit about this subject of death, the subject of our physical bodies. And here's what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For we know that, and this is going to sound so much like soul here. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, and look at the words, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. I hope not. For while we're in this tent, right, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. So clearly what Paul is talking about in this passage is that there is more to us than just this physical body that is outwardly wasting away. It's more than that. Again, in fact, it would, it would simply uh, suggest here that our physical body is simply an outward clothing or outward tent to something more, the essence of who we are, which is eternal. And to fully understand, I think we have to dive into a little bit more of what is the human makeup? What does the Bible say about the human makeup? Well, how does the Bible enter into this conversation where you have Plato and, and you have Socrates and you have others that are using this idea of dualism and this idea of the soul and the body? How does the Bible enter into this conversation? Remember, Paul was writing during the time when the Roman world was there, but it was also during a heated time of Greek philosophy and in which many of these cities had many of these Greek philosophers and thoughts and, and all of these, these thought leaders, so to speak, that were kind of beginning these philosophical thinkings of trying to understand spiritual things aside from biblical things. And so what does the Bible have to say on this subject? What does scripture have to say about a person's makeup? Well, as, as human beings, how many of you know we are made in the image of God? That, that's what Genesis says. That we were made in God's image. We were made in God's likeness. So let's first talk about the Godhead. What is, what is God like? Well, first and foremost, Mark 12, 29, Jesus said that the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we believe in a monotheistic God, that God is one. 
Hear, O Israel. Paul confirms this in Romans 3.30 when he writes, since there is only one God. God is one. Yet we know that not only is God one, but God has also, as a part of the Godhead, this, this picture of what we call the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the idea of the the Trinity. In fact, in creating man right in the very beginning in the image of God, Genesis 1:26 uses these words. God said, "Let us make man in our image." Us and our are plural. They they are not singular, they're plural. So in the oneness of God, there is this idea of the Trinity, a plurality. In Acts 10.38, Peter testifies how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So Jesus has been anointed by God with the Holy Spirit's power. You see the idea of the Trinity. It's also illustrated in Jesus' baptism in Mark 3, or Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. So you have Jesus being baptized present in a human physical body, human physical body. You have the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and the voice from heaven, which is the voice of God saying, this is my son. So behold, the Lord thy God is one, God is one, but he is also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Similarly, but not exactly we as humans in our makeup, made in the image of God, are made up triune. Triune. In other words, we are one person, but we also are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a physical body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul writes this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, holy, sanctify you completely. What does that mean? Here he does. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is identifying that the makeup of who we are is spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Let's talk about these for a moment, okay? This is really important to understanding this idea of what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So this is philosophy class. Philosophy 101. Maybe 301 for some of you, like really deep, all right? So you got to hang with me because we're early in the morning. So that means you may have to stretch. And if your neighbor starts to fall asleep, you may need to elbow them. If your mind starts to wander, you may need to bring it back, all right? Philosophy 101, here we go. We're a body. This is our flesh, right? This is the easiest one for us to, to identify is our flesh because this is the part of us that includes the, our contact with the natural world and our five senses, Right? It, it includes the things that we see and the things that we hear and the things that we touch and the things that we taste and the things that we smell. Right? It's, it's the physical part of us. And, and uh, it's what you looked in the mirror this morning and, 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 and fixed up your hair and got it looking all nice and, and pretty and, and, and looking real good. And, and you know, and, and how, you, how, how you take care of your physical body. 
It's the outer appearance, the physical part of us. Paul opened 2 Corinthians 5, describing the body as a tent. You see, Paul was a tent maker. Acts chapter 18, 1 to 3, describes him as a tent maker. That's what he did for a living. And as a tent maker, he's using, he's using this illustration in comparison to our physical body here on this earth. And he says that our physical body is like a tent. It's like a tent, and, it, and, and, and as he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's outwardly, it's wasting away. How many of you woke up this morning and go, boy, I really feel that wasting away, right? <laughs> we, we hung out, we're, we're youth pastors again, so we were hanging out with the, the students last night at Glow Games, and we're playing, we're playing kickball and scatterball and basketball and, and all kinds of things and sword stuff that we were doing with glow-in-the-dark swords and all that kind of stuff, and I woke up this morning and I went, wow, I... I am not in good shape. <laughs> Outwardly, I'm wasting away. We're wasting away, right? Physical body is a tent. A, a tent is something that is temporary. A tent is something that, that, that is a nice covering. It's a good covering. But when the storms come, it doesn't do real good with enduring the storms. You know what I'm talking about? Again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying, our, our, our physical bodies were created by God, all right? So, so please hear me, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way saying that they're not important. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance and why our physical bodies are important. And there were errors that were being taught that, that because of your physical body, because you are more than just your physical body, you can do whatever you wanted with your physical body, and it didn't matter. That was a lie, and Paul addresses that in other letters that he writes. That's a lie. But physically, let's just be honest. Physically, we are getting older. Physically, we are, we are starting to wrinkle. Physically, we are, we are not as, 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 you know, we're just not as good as we used to be unless you're Tom Brady. And somehow you just defy that. Those of you that are football fans know what I'm talking about. 44 years old and the guy is still, I don't know, something's not right there. He's taken something and they haven't figured it out yet. Right? Outwardly, we're wasting away. Right? Without our bodies, right? Without the body, the soul and the spirit is described as, as naked. As naked. So, so body is important, whether it's, it's temporary physical tent or whether it's heavenly body that we will receive one day. Uh, the, that part of us is being destroyed. And in fact, in our physical body, it says we groan. How many of you groaned when you got up this morning? Oh, right? Some of you don't want to admit it. The tent is weak. It's a temporary, Warren Wiersbe writes this on his commentary, 2 Corinthians, he writes this, a tent is a weak temporary structure without much beauty, but glorified body we will receive will be eternal, never showing signs of weakness or decay. Oh, hallelujah. Right? In fact, Philippians 3, 20 to 21, Paul writes this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his power that enables him to bring everything under his control, what will he transform? Our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Part of the problem when sin entered the world is that it affected our physical tent. The wages of sin is death. And, and the physical tent was affected by sin. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have disease. That's why we, we have the, the things that we have that affect our physical body because of sin. And Paul recognizes that. And just like the earth is groaning and awaiting its redemption, so our physical bodies groan as we await a heavenly body. Because we don't want to be naked, right? Because we're more than just the body. 
Remember, following the resurrection, you want to talk about glorious body? The disciples were invited, what? To, to touch his hands and his feet. When Jesus resurrected, he didn't come back simply as a soul or a spirit. He had a body, a glorified body, a heavenly body. It was one that he was able to just appear and walk through the walls. That was weird, right? You know when you read that? But there was a physical body that they were able to touch the scars on his hands. They were able to see them. When he was walking the Emmaus Road with his, his disciples, uh, they, they, they didn't recognize him at first. Why? He's in a glorified body. He's walking with them. He's physically with them. But they didn't recognize it at first until he broke the bread. And when he did, their eyes were open. They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So Paul opened 2 Corinthians 5.1 with these words, for we know, for we know, that is confidence. We have this confidence that though this earthly tent is temporary and is wasting away and groaning, we are longing and we know because of Jesus' resurrection in his resurrected body that we too will one day receive a resurrected body. Hallelujah. Boy, there's not a lot of amens. You guys must be really in good shape. Because for me, I'm like, oh, I can't wait, right, to get a new tent. Not a tent, it's a house, it's a permanent dwelling, it says. In fact, Romans 8, 23, not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship. And what's associated with the adoption of sonship? The redemption of our, what? Our bodies, as humans in the image of God, we have a body that's part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. So let me just share the next two. Let me talk about the soul and the spirit, and we're going to bring it back to the passage. All right, second, the soul. What is the soul? It's often described as the mind, will, and emotions, and personality of a person. The mind, the will, and the emotions. While it, it does contain these attributes, it's much more complex than that. It's much harder to understand. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for soul used 755 times involved life, involved person, involved self. It was the essence of personhood. In the New Testament, the Greek word was used 101 times for the word soul, and it means life, ego, personality. The soul of a person is what makes you uniquely you. It's valuable. It makes you you And to be honest, it's hard to draw a fine line as to what exactly makes up the soul. But it's important to note that it's at the heart of what makes us uniquely who we are. In fact, there's great eternal value regarding the soul. This is what Jesus said about the soul. Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. So when it comes to suffering, this is really important. When it comes to suffering, when it comes to persecution... You know, you, you oftentimes see these early church uh, apostles and, and fathers who, who were not afraid, early church martyrs, if you read Fox's book of martyrs, who, who seem to not be afraid of death. They seem to not be afraid of, of killing the earthly tent and killing the earthly body. And part of it was because they understood that there was more to us than just the physical body. But like here, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. It's eternal. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Understand that biblically, we have a soul. 
Not just a body, but a soul. And the soul is valuable. And the soul is eternal. And the soul is, is one of those things that is so important that Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Here, we work so hard. Got to have the right clothes for my physical tent. Got to ride the right makeup and the right hairdo. And, the, you know, and for me, I need a little bit of something that'll make it grow. We, we put so much into what we touch and, and what we taste and what we hear and how we smell like and all of these things with the physical. But he says, oh, you gain the whole world but forfeit the soul. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Soul is really important. It's really important to be concerned. It's, a, it's part of it, but it's not the only part. The, the other part is the spirit. The spirit is it's part of what makes us human. In fact, the spirit is what, what gives life. The word spirit in the Hebrew is the same word for breath or wind. It's the word ruach. Breath or wind. It's, the, it's an entire immaterial consciousness of mankind. Isaiah 26, 9, my soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Notice again, the Bible differentiating body, spirit, soul, body, spirit, soul. Genesis 2, 7, going back. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust to the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That breath of life is the same word, Hebrew word for spirit. Breathed in, he became a living being. The spirit is illustrated by breath, by the life source of our being. It is the very life source of who we are. It links human beings to the spiritual realm is this idea of the spirit. And divine communication comes and flows through the spirit. Proverbs 20, 27 says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2.14 in the message, Paul said this, Spirit can be known only by spirit. Capital S, spirit, Holy Spirit. God's spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. It is through the spirit that we have direct communication with God. The problem is, is that because of sin, our spirit was dead. Our spirit was not in contact with God. Our spirit was not alive. It did not have the breath of life. Yes, a body. Yes, a soul. But the spirit is dead without knowing God. Without knowing God. And yet when we come alive in our spirit. It's what we call being born again. How many have heard that phrase? Born again. In fact Jesus said you must be born again. In talking to Nicodemus. And this idea of, a, of the spirit being darkened. And those kind of things. Remember the spirit is darkened before we know Christ. Paul talked about it last week. When he talked about the God of this age. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Blinded the minds. That's in Romans chapter 1 and 21. For although they knew God. They, never, they neither glorified him as God. Or give thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts. Look at this. Were what? Darkened. Darkened. Salvation includes rebirth and includes reawakening, being born again. Again, Jesus talking to Nicodemus explained it this way, John 3, 5, and 6. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. That's physical birth and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, 
Spirit gives birth to spirit. That's what it means to be born again. That God has breathed life. That God has given us life to our spirit and and allows us then to be able to to enter in and, and, and enter into this communion with God and his spirit. I know I'm going, whoo, you got to think about this for a little bit. So let's go back, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go back for a moment. Paul describes our earthly bodies as a temporary tent, right? And, and, and when our bodies die, what lives on? Our soul and our spirit. Our soul and our spirit live on. Our soul and our spirit are eternal. The temporary, our bodies are, are temporary housing and uh, temporary housing for our soul and our spirit. And without the, the body, it's, it's considered unclothed or naked, right? Uh, w- without that, it's considered unclothed or naked. Now, nakedness, without the glorified body, nakedness, this idea, Paul says, well, I don't want to be naked in my, my, my spirit or my soul. I needs to be clothed. And if it's not in this earthly tent, then I'm looking forward to a heavenly body. Why? Because this idea of nakedness had to do with shame. Think about Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, what did they recognize? Verse 7, the eyes of them were opened and they realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The idea of, of, of nakedness is associated with shame. We, we long to have a covering. Sin and guilt provides this idea of shame. And so we're always looking for a way to cover our shame. When we sin against God and we're not living according to his plan, we try to find other ways in which we can cover our shame. It's why we lose out on identity, why we, do, we, we struggle to know who we are. And so we try to find our identity and we try to find our identity and cover our shame by being successful at work. And if I can be successful at work and I can make a lot of money and I can make a name for myself, I don't have to look inwardly and see the shame of myself because I've got a different identity for who I am. And so we become workaholics and we sacrifice our family on the altar to cover our shame. It's why we we look to substances to, to meet a need inside that is there that can only be met by God. We look to relationships and and we look to, to, to try to find some way in which somebody will affirm who we are. Because of shame, shame is powerful. Shame is powerful. Paul says that when we die, we long for a covering, our heavenly body. Not just our earthly body, our heavenly body. Verse 4, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead by our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, he said something similar. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been, look at the word, clothed. With the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Victory. So what Paul is telling us is you don't need to lose heart. Yeah, your outward body is wasting away. And yes, apart from Jesus coming back, 
you will face death. I know, isn't that so encouraging? I just encouraged you this morning. But you don't have to lose heart. You don't have to be fearful of that. When you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are hopeful because you know that Scripture also says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul says we long for that, for that heavenly reunion, that heavenly body, so that we will not be naked. We are soul and spirit. We are more than just a physical body. In fact, it's a guarantee. Look at verse 5. Now we... Now the one who has fashioned us for this purpose is God, who has given us the spirit. Remember, spirit gives birth to spirit. The spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives where? In us is a deposit, is that, that guarantee, is that, that, that place in which you know in your knower that you are right with the Lord. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. But we live, not by, or we live by faith, not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Sounds like what he said somewhere else when he said, for me to live is Christ. I've got to live for Christ. Live is Christ, but to die is gain. Gain. Because physically, this outward tent is wasting away. But eternally, there is an eternal heavenly body that awaits a redeeming of not just my soul and my spirit, but a heavenly, glorious body like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have the spirit guaranteeing it. Now, you might think, well, because the body is temporary, because the body is wasting away, well, why can't I just do anything that I want to do with my body? See, that was an error that he addressed in other ways, in other places. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he said, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from who? From God. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So although our bodies are a tent and temporary our soul and our spirit is that which is eternal until one day we receive a renewed glorified body in the lord jesus christ while we were here we need to recognize that redemption was not just for our soul and our spirit but our bodies as well therefore we need to honor god with our body that's deep but since this earthly tent is passing away and we know that one day we'll face eternity, what's our motivation to honor God with our body? Where's the motivation? Here's the motivation. Verses 9 and 10. So we make it our goal. In light of all of this, we know that this is just an earthly tent and we know that one day we're going to be at home with the Lord. We know that one day our soul and our spirit are going to live on. That death is not final and it is not the end. But that one day we're going to live on in eternity. How do we live? What is the motivation? We make it our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. For, for what? For we must, oh, really? We're going to read this part? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what we do, how we live right now matters. 
as believers in Jesus Christ, how we live matters. We are saved by grace, right? That, that spirit, awakening spirit, we are saved by grace. It is not by works, Ephesians says, that anyone should boast. However, when you have received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a believer, how you live matters. Why? Because no matter who we are, whether we're an unbeliever or a believer, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One of those is the white throne judgment. That is where it'll be determined whether your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, whether you, you made a decision to follow Christ, whether you allowed Jesus to renew and awaken your spirit, whether you allowed him to make you born again and breathe life into you, whether you allowed him to forgive you of the penalty of sin, which is death. And without that, you face an eternity of your soul uncovered, no eternal body uncovered in hell. Because regardless, your soul and your spirit are eternal. It's a matter of where you will spend eternity. Oh, but as the believer, God wants to reward those who diligently seek him. And when we stand before it, it's going to be how? How do we live in response to the grace of God? How do we live in response to the grace of God? And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will be rewarded, right? We will receive the things due well done in the body, whether good or bad. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto men once to die and after this to face judgment. So it is a motivation for us. How do we live? How do we live in this physical body? How do we live right now? How do we live in the, will we live in the presence of the Lord as our spirit has been breathed life into? How do we live? What, what will we receive as our due according to how we have lived? This is our motivation to live in such a way that scripture says to please the Lord. So worship team, will you come? Friends, life is fragile. Life is fragile. These bodies of ours are wasting away. They are reminders every day, reminders every day that, that, that unless Jesus returns, we will face death. Unless Jesus returns, every time we look around, life is fragile and our physical bodies experience the groaning and the suffering but friends our soul and our spirit will live on in eternity and the question is do we have the hope that Paul is talking to these believers about in that that our spirit has been renewed that our spirit has been brought life that we are born again that we have not only been born of water but born of spirit that we've allowed the spirit of God to renew our spirit so that we have a hope that when these physical bodies and we shed this physical tent and our soul and our spirit move on, that there is an eternal body that awaits, a heavenly body, a glorious body like the Lord Jesus Christ, a resurrected body that awaits. You see, that's hope. That's hope. 
When we look at death and we face death and we face a diagnosis we don't like or we face getting older and we groan or we see a loved one that passes away, we grieve. Yes, we grieve. But when they're a believer, we don't grieve as if there is not hope for we know that death is not the end. But there is hope in eternity. We know that whatever might have taken their life is not the end. Because Revelations promises us that there's not going to be any sickness in heaven. There's not going to be any wasting away in heaven. But we'll have an eternal, an eternal body, a glorious body, a renewed body in Jesus Christ. So therefore, we make it our aim, our goal to please the Lord. To please the Lord. Let's bow our heads. If you need salvation today, maybe you've not been born again. You said, I don't, I don't know, I don't believe that I have been born again. I don't believe that I've ever placed my faith in Jesus. I don't believe that He's that He's forgiven me of my sin, that He's cleansed me, that He's taken my shame away. I don't believe that I've done that. I don't believe that I know that I have that confidence that if I die, that there awaits me an eternity in heaven and a glorious new body I don't I don't know that I can say with confidence that that's where I stand and if you're here today and you say you know today I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today I need to be born again today I need to I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior so that I too can have that confident hope if that's you will you lift up your hand if you're watching online will you let us know in the comments I need to be born again I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Secondly, you're here this morning. Maybe you're dealing with something. Maybe you're dealing with, with your outward tent that is groaning. You're struggling with that outward tent. And you'd say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I just need, I need hope. I need a renewing in my spirit today. I just need hope. I need a renewing today. If that's you and I can pray for you, will you lift, lift up your hand today? I just need a renewing today. I need a renewing of hope today. Yeah, thank you. Father, we just thank you today for the renewing that you do in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. That death is not the end. That this physical body is just simply a tent. It's the weakness. But Lord, in you, we know that we have a confident hope. Lord of eternal life, a confident hope, Father, of a renewed tent, that we don't have to live in shame, but we can be covered and clothed, Lord, by you. Father, we thank you today, and we just pray a renewing for those that raise their hands, those that are struggling today. I just pray a renewing in their spirit, a renewing of hope. I just pray, Father, just a confidence in you. Lord, we just thank you, and we bless you today we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus name amen thank you for listening to today's podcast we pray that you're encouraged by this message for more information about Painesville Assembly of God visit painesvilleag.com